Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Today, it is opening day for baseball. Super thrilled and got a special guest on today, all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, Jason Bidnick. How are you doing? Good, Jeremy. How's it going, bud? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to, you know, talk a little sports with uh, someone who knows so much as you. Well, I don't know as much as many people, but I appreciate the uh, compliment. And yeah. I, am, I am excited as well for opening day today. Yeah. Should be good. I mean, until, I don't know, I'm excited for the Padre game. But in the end, you know, they'll just they'll let us down again. It's just me being a San Diego fan. It's how it always goes. I got them slotted in at number two in the NL West, so you might make the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that's what yesterday they... they uh, change the playoff format to 16 teams so for if we are in second we uh i think we will, would get that uh wild card spot absolutely yeah all right so first thing on the agenda um for those who don't know probably most of you um jason his son and daughter adam and madison both went to kansas uh kansas university go jayhawks rock chalk um so we're gonna start by talking a little bit about the state of kansas's basketball program um obviously an elite blue blood um with some con a little bit of controversy around bill self and the program uh losing uh superstar big man udoka azabuki um what's what's kansas kansas basketball gonna look like next year and for the future jason well, Jeremy, right now, um, as you mentioned, there's a little bit of a cloud sitting over the program that uh, at some point it's going to have to be resolved, hopefully sooner than later, so uh, everybody at KU can know what's going on and move forward. Um, as for this upcoming year, if the season is played, which we're all hoping, keeping our fingers crossed that it is played, uh, Kansas is going to be loaded again, probably going to be a top-five team. Um, they got three or four returning starters, Azabuke and Devon Dotson, those two have gone to the uh, NBA draft, so those two have gone, but everybody else returns. Um, you got three three strong seniors in uh, Silvio D'Souza. He's coming back. Uh, Marcus Garrett, defensive National Defensive Player of the Year last year. So he'll be back. He'll be running the point instead of Dotson. So you'll have him at the point. Um, D'Souza will probably be somewhere. Probably He'll probably play some power forward minutes, play some center minutes, uh, depending on where they decide to use David McCormick who's returning a uh, junior out of Oak Hill. Um, and then uh, Ochi Abaji, who is he's kind of an NBA prototype swing man. Uh, he plays the two and the three, and we'll uh, see how he does. But uh, I'm looking for a big year out of him because he has some NBA aspirations. So he should put it all together this year and make that next jump to the next level. Um, got some incoming freshmen. Um, Bryce Thompson, he's a... Uh, He's a top 20 recruit, expecting big things from him. He'll get some major minutes as a freshman. Uh, a couple other freshmen coming in, um, some guards out of Texas. And uh, we have a uh, foreign kid. I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce his name right. Jethro Muscadden. He's about 7'220". He's out of Haiti, so he'll be probably a project. But 
they've had projects before. And a couple other things we're looking forward is the return of Jalen Wilson, who got hurt opening night last year. He was a old Michigan commit, and he was a he was a top fifty uh, prospect. So hopefully, with him and uh, the rest of the guys returning, as well as Christian Braun, who's out of Kansas, he played some quality minutes as a freshman, had a actually better year than anybody anticipated. So with those guys, uh, look for Kansas to be pretty strong again. Probably uh, them and Baylor for the Big Twelve title. Uh, I'd probably lean towards taking that to Lawrence myself, but Baylor will be somebody to deal with. Uh, but other than that, looks looks like they'll be loaded, and uh, Kansas always reloads. They don't ever rebuild. They're always just reloading. So right now with coronavirus, the uh, recruiting trail is halfway quiet, but that'll pick up as things pick up. So I'm not too concerned. Jayhawks will get their guys. Yeah, that's what – um, obviously losing Azubuki, losing Devin Dots, it hurts. But you said it, Kansas, they, they don't rebuild, they reload. Marcus Garrett is a stud. It'll be fun to see uh, D'Souza. Um, Bryce Thompson, absolute stud. Um, from I feel like they got him. He's, he's from Oklahoma, I think. So Correct. He's that, was, that was a good ad. And then the other recruits that you said, um, really raw. But the like the Jethro kid you were talking about, that's going to be a guy that you throw him into that Kansas system. First year, maybe even two years might not be that much of a key factor. But in that Bill Self program, I think that he can definitely turn him into a great big man. Um, same with these other kids. They're not as, um, you know, nationally touted, um, but you got you got to have trust in Bill Self. He's he's done it. He's going to do it again. Uh, it'll be fun. I, I I hope Bryce Johnson gets significant minutes. Hopefully he starts. He, he's going to be fun to watch. Jalen Wilson, former Michigan commit, I remember. Michigan fans were not happy when he decommitted after Beeline left. But um, it's really – it's going to be interesting what um, all these allegations, um, possible recruiting violations, stuff like that. Um, it feels like it's kind of been looming for a while, but nothing has happened. However, that's, answer, that's yeah, that's the NCAA for you. They uh, they have to get their hands in everybody's business, and uh, you know, I hey, it's 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 in that new that new program that the NCAA has, so it's there's no appeals. It's going to be take it or leave it. Either they're going to see some violation problems, or they're going to be let go, or they might be a combination of the two. So we'll see. Hopefully, like I said earlier, that resolves itself sooner than later, and uh, Kansas can move forward with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh... N- NCA's handled some of these, uh, not just college basketball, but I don't know. Not not sure how I feel about the NCA as an organization, but I'm glad to talk about that. Um, to our next subject, um, got NFL coming up. I believe it sounds like training camp and all that's going on as normal. No preseason, I think is what they said. Um, but so I found. Uh, I was looking a little bit on the internet, looking on Twitter, and I found a um, a squad builder. So it's like you build your team with $15. There are different $5, $4, $3, $2, dollar options. So I'll, I'll go through them. The $5 quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, $4 Russell Wilson, $3 Drew Brees, uh, $2 Matt Ryan, $1 Josh Allen. For running backs, it's $5 Christian McCaffrey. $4 Derrick Henry, $3 Nick Chubb, $2 Mark Ingram, $1 Philip Lindsay. And then um for 
wide receiver one. It's broken up into two categories. Um, Julio Jones, $5. Keenan Allen, 4 DJ Moore, 3 Calvin Ridley, 2 And Terry McLaurin, 1 And for the other wide receiver, it's Michael Thomas, 5 Adam Thielen, 4 Jarvis Landry, 3 I can't speak. Jarvis Landry, 3 um, Tyler Boyd, 2 And Darius Slayton, 1 so, Jason, um, got $15 to build this team. Obviously, I think any combination of these guys would be a pretty good team. Uh, but how, how would you build the best team possible? Well, if I had to use those guys, do I have to use those guys you just mentioned? Got to use those guys. All right, then, because uh, I would say Kyler Murray with, with any money I have. Cause, oh, yeah. You know, he's going he's gonna to have a big year here in the desert. But uh, based on what you said, um, I think this year is going to be a lot of passing. I think the uh, running game is going to be slowed down. I think the way Patrick Mahomes plays, I think the way Russell Wilson plays, Brady's going to throw a ton in Tampa. I think it's going to be a, a big-time passing year. I think the runners, you know, McCaffrey's going to get his touches, of course, but uh, I'm going to lean away from rushing. So based on the dollars and people you gave me, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with the old standby. I'm going to take Drew Brees at quarterback for $3. Uh, you know, he's, he's got plenty of weapons. He's still looks like he can get it done every single year. So I'm going to go with him, uh, my quarterback. And then for $2, I'm going to take Mark Ingram, even though I know he's going to share some carries. Um, I, I see Baltimore as a running team just because of, uh, you know, the way Harbaugh likes to run it and, you know, their magical quarterback. You know, I wasn't a big fan when he was at Louisville, but, uh, they like to run, and, you know, Lamar's going to – he's going to run a lot. And if he gets beat on a little bit, Ingram might get some carries. So I will uh, go with him, which will allow me to go with the two receivers who I wanted, which would be Julio Jones and Mr. Thomas in New Orleans. Um, again, I think it's going to be a big-time big, big time passing year. Those are the two best receivers, I think, in the NFL. And I think they're uh, significantly ahead of everybody else. I think those two kind of separate themselves. So – if I had to take my 15, give me Thomas, give me uh, Julio Jones, give me Mark Ingram, give me Drew Brees, and uh, we'll roll with that and see how things go. But I do expect, you know, a big year out of a lot of other players. I know you gave me those uh, those 20, so we'll go with that. Yeah. So, for me, it's I, I agree on the principle that McCaffrey's terrific. Um, same with Derrick Henry, but I'm, I'm also going to lean a bit more pass-heavy than I would with the run, I think. Um, running backs, it, they're just very replaceable, and you'll see, guys, it's hard to bank on um, production. So I'm also going to go with Drew Brees at quarterback for $3. Um, he he just he still gets it done. Maybe he's regressed a little bit, but he's still in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Um, totally trust him. Great guy to lead the team. Um, at running back, for for $3, so not the lowest, I'm taking Nick Chubb. I think he's very good. Um, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan, so I think he'll get a lot of touches. Um, they're going to pound the ball with him. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's, like, elite of the elite, but Nick Chubb is a, is a workhorse back, uh, very physical. I'm a, I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. Then for the first wide receiver, I'm going to go with Julio Jones. To me, the best receiver in football. Um, you know what you're getting with Julio Jones. You're getting a bona fide stud. Um, 
Drew Brees throwing it up to Julio Jones sounds like a dream to me. Uh, give me Julio. Then at my second receiver, I'm going to go $4, Adam Thielen. Um, I definitely could have went with your route of going down a level at running back, so you can go up a level at wide receiver two. But what I really like about Adam Thielen, especially mixed with the rest of the offense, is Julio Jones, uh, he can do it all, but he's more of a deep threat um, and an outside receiver. So for Adam Thielen, he can uh, move into the slot, uh, gets you, you know, that check down option for Drew Brees. Um, I like the versatility of having a guy like Jones versus a guy like Thielen. Granted, I'm not arguing that Adam Thielen is better than Michael Thomas, that, that you can't make that argument. But I like the way that Thomas can fit in. So my squad is very very similar. Drew Brees. I'm with you there. I agree with that. Uh, I have Drew Brees, Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, and Adam Thielen. But I was thinking about it. And if we think on the concept of um, being pass heavy, I came up with one other thought that this isn't how I would do it, but I could understand this, and that's building around Patrick Mahomes. So if you were to build around Patrick Mahomes, this is how I would do it. Um, you got you get Patrick Mahomes for five dollars. Um, you get Philip Lindsay for one dollar. He's a capable back. You know if you're gonna be in a heavy pass system. You get Julio Jones for $5 again, and you get Adam Thielen. For me, I prefer the Breeze and Chubb route because it's going to be pass-heavy, but you still, you know, I'd rather take a capable running back. But I don't I don't think you can really go wrong with any combination of this. No, I agree. My only, my only concern on uh, Nick Chubb would be he's probably going to have to share a little bit with Kareem Hunt this year. Yeah, th- that, that uh, is true. So he's probably going to, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to have a bad year, but it might be down because, you know, they, Kareem Hunt is back now full throttle. So yeah. he's probably, he's probably going to see some time as well. That's and what I, I love Adam Thielen. I love him. I was a great pick. I'm just not a big Kirk Cousins guy, so I don't have faith in Kirk Cousins, so I can't have faith in Thielen. So, but he's a great receiver. Anywhere else he would, uh, he would be great. I'd lo- I would have loved to have seen DeAndre Hopkins on this list. You know, he's, he's going to be getting it done with Tyler Murray here in the desert. So that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I got to I got to make my own kind of versions of these. This was fine, but I think uh I could I could probably make ones like this where we can mix it up. And honestly, the more I think about it, I think I'd probably go with your combination going down a level for Ingram and going to Michael Thomas because of that because of that Kareem uh Hunt being totally back and that really that totally didn't cross my mind at all. So I think it's a little late, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be a follower, but I think that actually would be the smartest route. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You got to remember, Kareem Hunt, a lot of teams, a lot of people have changed teams this year, so we're all going to have to get little guys to tell us who's where. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so moving on, um, you're obviously uh, very experienced um, as a sports fan. I can imagine you've been to countless uh, sports events of many different kinds. So we're going to kind of reminisce um, on some of our favorite sports moments that we've witnessed. All right. What type of things you want to go with first? Do you want to give me your list and uh, kind of ask me? or? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, right. So for me, I, I uh, marked down four. And personally, I obviously I am only 14, so I haven't, you know, been around too long to see anything too crazy. 
And um, in terms of I, all of these four were in person for me. So again, nothing super crazy. But I'll start with um, the NLCS in 2017. Um, Cubs uh, went to Chavez Ravine, played the Dodgers. I went up there with um, my baseball coaches, took me really uh, gracious. Uh, one of them was in the Tigers organization at the time, and his agent was able to hook us up with some tickets. That was incredibly nice. But I don't remember. It was either game one or game two. And... I I can't even say that I remember a lot of the most of the game, but what I do remember is when Kenley Jansen came in, um, and let me put it out there, I, I do not like Kenley Jansen, not a Kenley Jansen fan at all, but when he came out in the ninth inning with that roaring crowd to California loving, it was, it was just, it was crazy. Crowd was going wild. They were blasting that music. It felt so authentically Southern California. And I, I hate the Dodgers. I hate... I dislike Kenley Jansen. But it was incredibly cool to feel that playoff atmosphere. As, I mean, that that's the only playoff game I've ever been to. So, that was incredibly cool. Um, going to college football for my next two. Um, in 2017, when Stanford came down to San Diego State. Um I wouldn't I'm not a big SDSU fan, but I support my city. Um I went with um some family friends. It was Stanford. I think Stanford had already lost a game that year, but they were a top 25 team. Um Bryce Young or not Bryce Young. Bryce Love was there at the time. He was he was putting up, you know, the video game numbers and SDSU, uh, they won it in the last minute. They ran a trick play. They were down four. Um, ran a trick play where their tight end threw a touchdown pass to their quarterback. And then Rashad Penny had an absolutely terrific game. He had, like, probably near 200 all-purpose yards, something around there. Uh, and then after – I'm trying to – there was also a random note. Uh, middle of the game, there was a power outage, so we got we had a little delay there. And then after SDSU closed the deal, um, they uh, f- fans stormed the field. We uh, we got to hop on there. People were throwing pennies for Rashad Penny. Um, all the players were engaged. I've just I've never you know had an experience quite like that. Um, you know, in in a grand scale, it's not that much, but it was one of the biggest wins for SDSU's football program. And it was it was super cool to me um, to be able to rush the field and like be be right by the players. You know, all of them were going around and interacting with the fans. Just super cool experience. And then, uh, no, sticking with college football. And this one's this one hurts a little bit, but I will say it was it was phenomenal to see. And that was this past year's um, LSU at Alabama. And it didn't end the way that I would have liked, um, but the atmosphere, you, you could feel the intensity. It, you know, it was true, uh, hard-fought SEC football. Uh, and there was nothing like, you know, the crowd at Bryant-Denny, I had been there before, but when they get up for uh, for a big game like LSU, even before what we woke up at like 5.30 in the morning, got to game day, it was incredible. Um, all, all the hype around it. And then 
I, I didn't enjoy watching it happen, but Joe Burrow putting up that Heisman performance. Um, but then also at the end, you know, Alabama giving some hope with a, a deep touchdown to Devontae Smith. It was just, it was a roller coaster of a game that, you know, I, I keep saying it. I really wish uh, the result was different, but it was it was the most authentic Southern college football experience. So... You win some, you lose some. I think Alabama wins plenty. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And then lastly, um, this one I was a lot younger for, but I remember pretty vividly, and that was the 2014 Stanley Cup. Um, it was Rangers-Kings. Uh, it was My uh, dad was able to swing us some tickets. He has a buddy who um, at the time worked for McDonald's who had a partnership with the NHL. He was able to get us some tickets. Uh, and I remember my dad had gotten the tickets and it was my best friend's, it was the day before my best friend's birthday. That was the game. And he had had like a birthday party and my dad was like, would you rather go to your friend's birthday party or would you go, or would you rather go watch the Rangers play in the Stanley cup? And I, obviously I picked the Stanley cup and it was just, it was incredible. Um, and the thing with hockey for me is I'm not the biggest hockey fan. I enjoy hockey, but at sitting at Staples Center, we had pretty high up seats. It, there, there's no bad seat when you're watching hockey to me. Um, it was it was just so fun. Again, you know pl- this playoff environment. That's what all of these picks have had that special kind of environment. Uh, the Rangers ended up losing. They they were winning. I want to say it was like two nothing going into the third period, and then they blew it. It was 2-2, and then it went into overtime, maybe even double overtime. And uh, and the uh, Kings were able to slip one past uh, King Henrik. So last two uh, didn't end as I, le- I would have liked, but super cool experiences for me, and I hope I'm able to witness even cooler stuff going into the future. So those were my four. I'll... Uh, I'll hand it off to you. All right. Well, you are young, so you will have plenty of uh, sporting events to see in your lifetime. So as much as you love it, there's plenty out there to go see. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to see quite a bit in my life. So what I'll do is I'll give you uh, I'll give you my big five. I'll give you one from the four major sports and then one that's kind of a wild card. So probably my best baseball one. Again, I was on the wrong side of the score because I'm a big Yankee fan. It was probably the 2001 World Series with the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. Uh, I was able to, you know, go to all those games, every single one of them. And Game 7, I was one of the few people in the uh, in the crowd in Arizona in full Yankee regalia. <laughs> and uh, after Suriano hit the homer and Rivera came in, I just kind of, you know, I was barking a little bit to all the fans and letting them know it's pretty much over. And then he uh, struck out the side in the eighth. And I think everybody there realized it's over. And then uh, we all remember what happened in the ninth. Tony Womack, Jay Bell, Gonzo. So that was a great World Series to see. But uh, again, from a scoring standpoint, it was uh, rather disappointing and uh, heartbreaking for me. Um, So that's my baseball one. Um, My football one would probably be just a few years back when the uh, Super Bowl was here. Uh, I took my son and we went to the uh, Patriots Seahawks game. The infamous interception at the goal line when they had Marshawn Lynch and they decided to throw it and Patriots made the interception and another title for Brady and Belichick that was uh 
that was a great Super Bowl. And uh, one, you know, I'll remember is, you know, for as long as I'm still going to be walking around here. Um, hockey, I would probably say 1979-80 season. Islanders uh, winning their first cup. Uh, I was there. I was still living in New York at the time. And that was a, uh, that was a, just, you know, I'm a big hockey guy. So that was one of those, I was, I was still young back then. So I really didn't appreciate it as much, but uh, great game, great season, great team. I Is mean, that what, are, are you an Islanders guy? I am an Islanders guy. I am an Islanders guy. And, uh, you know, Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, Clark Gillies, BGT line and, Dennis Potvin, who was always, you know, defensive, you know, defenseman of the year back in those days. Chico Resch, Billy Smith in goal. You know, that was that was a team and a half right there. And they ended up, you know, taking care of Gretzky before him and the boys got rolling in Edmonton. But uh, that would probably be my hockey one. Um, basketball? Huh. Well, going to Allen Fieldhouse at KU is, is as good as it gets in basketball. But I was, again, at the wrong, wrong end of the score when uh, the Bulls beat the Suns here. Uh, when Paxson hit that, you know, shot to win the game, um, was with my wife at that game and, uh, you know, went to all of those games as well. And, uh, you know, got to see Jordan in the finals and do his thing. Again, I was on the wrong side of the score. Um, but, uh, you know, anytime you get to see Mike, especially at prime time, not much, not much beats that. And then, uh, for my wild card, I'll give, uh, I'll give you one college one and then one crazy one. So my college one would be the Fiesta Bowl. When it was Catholics versus convicts, Notre Dame and Miami, I played here at the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I was a Fiesta Bowl ticket member and uh, went to all the Fiesta Bowls. So the Penn State game, the first Ohio State National Championship game, BCS, all those. So the Fiesta Bowls are always great. But um, my one wild, wild card would probably be when I went to the 1984 Olympics in L.A. And we had tickets for the last day of track and field, which was the Carl Lewis uh, Olympics when he ran wild. Uh, the 100, the 200, the long jump, four by 100. Um, that was great because it was incredibly patriotic. It was a big USA crowd. You know, it was in the United States and made me love the Olympics. And I've loved them ever since, hoping to go again. I want to try and get to a winter games because since I have done the summer and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do that. But uh, yeah, those are those are some of my, my favorite memories out there. But I have plenty more, but uh, you know, it's a short show, so. Can't go through them all, but yeah, those are the main ones from the main uh, from the main sports. That's awesome. Oh, uh, looks like uh, Yoannis Cespedes just hit his first home run in like two years. Yeah, oh, the Mets win it? Yeah, one nothing. They took out uh, Degrom through five. They took him out for uh, he got he he got nicked up last week, I think. So went five scoreless, and Mets just uh, Cespedes. Solo home run in the seventh, they're up one nothing. But um one other that I that totally um I totally blanked on. I believe it was twenty seventeen as well, was when the World Baseball Classic, um, we had a couple games in San Diego. That was it was incredibly fun. Um, getting to see so many, you know, different cultures. Like when the Puerto Rico fans were incredible. Um maybe it's just cause uh Petco Park we're not usually in a uh, contending mode, so it's a bit quieter. But uh, hearing that noise, energy, and passion, uh, so cool. And then I don't remember if it was, uh, I don't remember if they were playing Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic in the game. Um, but the one where uh, 
it was Adam Jones who uh, robbed a home run in center field, scaled the wall. Um, just incredible. You, you just get that authentic. You get to be in America's finest city for like a Saturday night game, getting to see you know the U.S.'s top stars playing together. You got to see the the passion. It's similar to I don't even know how you'd describe it. When you're, I feel like the pride that players take when they're playing for their country like that, it just brings so much passion. Um, really cool to watch. Got you also got to see some younger stars that um, maybe didn't I didn't know about. Uh, but yeah, World Baseball Classic, super exciting. Um, hopefully, uh, I I know it got the qualifiers got postponed, which obviously means that it itself got postponed. But hopefully. It'll come back in this area, so I can. I'd, I'd love to see it again. So, that was one that I forgot about. So that is uh, that's to the end of our agenda. Jason, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, talk about a little bit. Uh, not really. Just uh, you know, I'm excited for the, all the sports to come back. You know, NBA kind of got you know started yesterday, so hopefully, you know, everything everybody will stay safe. All the players will be able to find a way to do it. Um, you know, sports is a great outlet during these brutal times that we're living in. So hopefully everybody will be able to stay safe. All the players will stay safe and uh, we'll be able to watch some sports, take our mind off of all the other issues we got. And uh, hopefully things get back to normal sooner than later. And life as we remember it can come back and uh, all the sports can come back as well. And um, yeah, so that's great. Hopefully you stay safe. Everybody in your family stays safe. And uh, this thing goes away soon so we can get back to life. Yeah. That's what I mean. I I don't know about you. I'm not one for. Oh, I can look back a little bit, but I don't care to watch replays of old games when I know it's coming. There are obviously some exceptions, certain classics um, that I'll rewatch, but it does. It's not the same to me when I know what's gonna happen. So I'm very excited for some live sports to be coming back. I'm not. I'm not really an NBA an NBA guy at all. But I'll be. I'll be locked into the NBA games. I feel like already in a regular season, I'm crazy watching baseball. I'll just turn that up a notch this year. Um, so excited for uh, pro sports to be back. I'm glad it, there's been a lot. I understand the issues in getting it back because ultimately, as much as we love sports and feel that we need sports, you got the players they and they want to play, but you got to find ways to be safe, I hope. MLB was able to come to that. NBA did a really good job of it. NHL. Um, hopefully the NFL can get on that same wavelength and make it so we can play these seasons, um, keep keep the players healthy, um, and just kind of make the most out of these tough situations. It'll be very interesting to see college athletics because we've seen the Pac-12. Um, they said they're going to conference only. I think yesterday they said they're moving – the schedule back starting like the middle of September, late September. I saw, I don't know if it was confirmed. I saw on Twitter this morning, um, rumored like 10th, like adding the 10th opponent from the crossover. Um, I don't know if that's true. We'll see. As well as you look at like, really, you can look at any big school, but especially if you go to the South, you look at programs like Alabama, LSU, Auburn, those schools that are so reliant on college football that they have all this, like, uh, I can't find the word, maybe, like, pageantry um, about them. So, and like, the city of Tuscaloosa, I don't, I don't know how they can, like, 
financially handle have not having a season. So that'll be interesting to see because you got to balance it. It's hard to justify them playing when if most classes aren't in session, but it, it's just a hard balance because for the schools financially, it's a business, but it's student athletes. So you, I can't even put into words. I hope there's some so, some sort of season, um, but it's very. It's very, it's very much a different case when it's student athletes that aren't getting paid, so it'll be interesting. I think the coming weeks will, will really start to see stuff because that's what, uh, sound that, Pac twelve, um, Big Ten. I don't know if the ACC has formally announced their plans, but it sounds like they've all, um, shown that they want to go to conference only schedules. It's gonna be when we see the SEC and Big Twelve discuss. Those are, I think, more of the conferences that are, uh heavily uh banking on having a college football season once they um announce some of their plans that's when we're gonna see the clear picture of what or if college football is happening so absolutely well jason thank you for coming on here um hope you enjoy the rest of your day get to watch some good baseball um we'll be in contact um love to have you on here more often get some uh get some stories because i mean but granted i don't know i don't know a lot of um a lot of people but you're definitely one of the more knowledgeable sports people i know with countless stories so uh, i appreciate it it was uh it was my pleasure to be on hit me up anytime you want to uh chat and uh if, you st- if you're ever in the desert let me know and we'll go to a ball game oh yeah once uh hopefully we can uh we can make a trip out once some of this calms down um vice versa you know you're always welcome over here um but this is going to conclude the redshirt podcast episode seven we'll say episode seven um make sure to follow us on instagram at the dot redshirt Check out our blog, uh, uh, theredshirt.blog. Um, recently, yesterday, I just put out my full-scale MLB predictions, almost like a light version of the incredibly long two-hour episode um, I did with Noah McGrubley a couple days ago. But, again, thank you for joining me, Jason, and uh, that'll be it for the Red Shirt Podcast today. Thanks for listening.